to the 15th episode of In The Vitrine. My name is Danny. And I'm Nadia. And today, we'll be talking about makeovers and transformations. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about this between us when we watched um, Queer Eye, the Japan edition. Well, I started watching it first and I was like, Danny, you have to watch it. Because it's so good. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit sad. But yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I love I love this series. Um, I always have lots of the tears when I watch it. I know every time a queer eye series comes out or season comes out, I'm like, yes, I'm just gonna watch the whole thing at once. Yeah. Um, Such a feel good kind of show. Yeah, not without its awkward moments because sometimes yeah. the the Fat Five have like these like ah uh, like cringy yeah cringy cringy things they do yeah like I'm not sure Anthony can cook yeah. <laughs> Like, I mean, he's the butt of all jokes, no? I know, <laughs> yeah. I'm always most impressed by Bobby. Yes. Yeah. I guess because it's a very tangible skill that he brings. And he really transforms any space he does. Yeah. It's amazing. Looks like a lot of work. Yeah. Well, but anyway, this is not a show about, or a podcast about interiors, <laughs> so much as about appearance and dress and fashion and all that. Um so I think today we're going to focus um, on the transformative power of self-fashioning. Um, and we thought to begin with a quote. So Jennifer Craig, um, who's a fashion historian, has described self-fashioning to be an active process of technical means for constructing and presenting a bodily self. Mm-hmm. And of course, that also means that you can reconstruct and represent yourself. Um, and I think that's what we're going to talk about today, right? With the makeovers and how... Sometimes we get stuck in a rut or we get very comfortable with a certain style and then things need to change. And oftentimes the way we appear not only to others but to ourselves is a reflection of what's going on internally. So we're kind of bringing back a little bit of, you know, the decluttering thing we talked about with yes. Marie Kondo as well. Yeah. Yes. So, so maybe we'll um, start with the episode and then we can... Yeah. W- this particular episode is um, episode 6, I think. The one with the couple, right? Um, I just remember that the wife works at the maid cafe, which is really interesting also. The okay. fact that there is a maid cafe. Yeah. It's um, episode 4 called Bringing Sexy Back. So it's this mm-hmm. couple that's been married for 7 years and doesn't have like much of a intimacy. And there's a lot of things that... Makoto says that are very Makoto's the 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 husband that says that are very um, insightful and very beautiful. Like he starts off by saying that he feels like he's a rock and he wants to be a psychedelic flower. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just so funny and so quirky, and it shows that this is somebody who has like a lot of very interesting. Um, insights or probably way of seeing the world and I mean as the show goes on it shows that like he's been working and he kind of stopped um, engaging in things that he likes like playing music like he's a huge Beatles fan Mm. psychedelic fan and uh, he used to draw manga and just he feel he, he also said this thing about how he feels like it's very hard to express himself and that society doesn't uh, appreciate when people express themselves too much. Yeah, and basically he stops taking care of himself, right? Um, not only in terms of what he does, you know, with like his hobbies and his work, but even in the way he dresses, um, in the way that he grooms or doesn't groom himself, you know, yeah. so like 
eventually what happens is they um I think Tan tried to put him in some more like vibrantly coloured clothes yeah. and then of course um Jonathan um groomed his hair so gave him a haircut yeah. and you know I want to go back to that Tan scene because they sure. go to Beams yeah. in Tokyo which is a very cool oh, store yeah. and um I mean we don't know much about like their social status and whether Beams is a place they would go. I mean, it's not a cheap place. No, it's not. But it's very, very cutting edge and fashionable. Yeah. And he goes in there and Tan wants to give him the quintessential, like, um, kind of like clean cut makeover where he would probably tuck in the front of his shirt. Oh, the oh, French tuck. That's so the French tuck. That is so oh. annoying, actually. Okay. <laughs> it's like everything it's like, is so transformed done. by the French. Yeah. Dude, but you're just putting parts of your shirt in. <laughs> so he so he asks Makoto to choose a shirt uh, or clothes that or colours that he wants to choose and then he picks this like bright pink one. Mm. And then Tan tries to like uh, tell him that oh that you can always express yourself uh, without um, without being too transgressive in society and then he gives him like a I mean he doesn't say that at the same time but he gives by he does this by giving him a grey sweater like a cardigan to cover over the pink shirt to kind of tone it down and then he asks Makoto what does he think and then Makoto looks in the mirror and he's like thinking and he moves his hands and then he says I think he's better without the sweater yeah. the cardigan and I thought that was so cool that he's like asserting that no, I do want to be like this flamboyant and this yeah. bright. I don't need to like be right. And it's interesting because then there are two people here trying to understand each other. And yes. also, I mean, Makoto is also trying to understand himself. Yes. And of course, Tan is thinking, well, you know, you were dressing in such like formal looking, like basic colors. And so, like, I don't want to scare you too much. Yeah. I don't want to like pull you too much out of your comfort zone. Yeah. But I think Makoto is just like, look, I'm doing this makeover, I'm ready. <laughs> so, you know what, don't kind of like dim my light, you know, <laughs> don't put out my fire. I'm gonna just wear this proudly. But of course, he's also struggling with himself a bit because like you said, he was fiddling with his hands and he was yeah. sort of like clenching his fist a bit, right? Yeah. And kind of you could see like the wheel sort of turning his mind yeah. and like, okay, you know yeah. what, I like it. I'm yeah. not gonna, you know, cover it up because I've spent enough time covering up. Um, also, I'm I'm guessing there's a lot of subtleties and a lot of like cultural ways of speaking and mm-hmm. of like expressing oneself through language that we would miss out because we don't understand Japanese mm-hmm. and we don't know what the whole conversation was. But whatever they have captured was really very beautiful. Like there was also this one part where he talks about. Um, I mean, this is not so much about dress, but about the idea of like not knowing how to do something and. We, know, we think that everybody would know how to cook or would know how to crack an egg or do things like that. But some people were just never taught and just go through life not knowing certain things. And by the time that they are in their 30s, it's almost like too late to learn these things, right? Mm. So to have an intervention like that, it's really quite, I guess, transformative. Yeah. And I think also what's great about Queer Eye is that, of course, there are a lot of things that change um, throughout the course of the episode. So there's like the outward appearance, there's like the internal kind of dialogue as well, right? Yeah. Uh, with, um, gosh, I can't remember his name. Kamano. Karamo, is that his name? <laughs> this is terrible, guys. We forgot his name. But, you know, he will like counsel the, um, the people and then. What I find most enduring in all this is I feel Karamo. like Karamo. Right? <laughs> Sorry. I feel like 
the clothes are an entryway to everything else. You know, yes. it's something that's so easily put on and taken off. Yes. And so it seems the first step, right? Yes. Like you do this and then everything else is like, okay, you know, if I've already done this thing, so yes, let's have a dialogue. Yes, let's change my home, you know. Yes, let's have a whole conversation about how to change my life. So to me, it's almost as if the clothes are the key to everything. And that's like the first part of the transformation. And that's also um, another thing that you will notice when you watch one of these episodes is that the way that the the gestures and their body, the way that they position their body also changes. Mm. And like, I mean, it could be the edit, but you see them smiling a lot more. They fi- they just feel lighter. Yeah. More like their true selves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of makeover shows, I mean, there have been makeover shows for years and years. I mean, I love makeover shows, all types. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the ones that fascinated me the most when I was um, younger was Extreme Makeover. Mm-hmm. I know never you've, you've never it. watched that, yeah. but oh my gosh, it's it's like, you can't not watch it because it's just, I mean, the word itself, right? Extreme. I mean, they do everything. So obviously there is surgery involved. So they do like extensive plastic surgery and liposuction. So usually it's like liposuction, plastic surgery. And wow. yeah, like everything changes, you know? And then they also have to exercise um, to maintain their weight. And then they do like, of course, the more sort of like surface things like makeup and hair and all that. Mm-hmm. But I'm always amazed by how, you know, that that itself is also like a restart of people's lives. You know, that um, I guess the burdens of life have made them look the way they do or, you know, they've always been held back maybe by their appearance. Um, And so this is like a new lease on whatever they wanted to do or whatever they can do. So it's, it was just so fascinating to me. You know, it just sounded so extreme. But of course, since then, plastic surgery has become much more widespread and much more accepted. Yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, on a trip to Seoul a few years back, I was amazed by how many people are walking around the city with like bandages on their face yeah. or on their body. And you know that they have plastic surgery and it's not even a shameful thing or like you have to hide away or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of people have looked at how, I mean, there's two minds about this, right? Like mm. some people who are like totally for it and embracing it and why not? And then there's also other people who feel like this is a way of internalizing um, the corset, like how women have always... It's always right. women's bodies who ha- who need to change, that yeah. need to change. The male body doesn't really need to change. But I guess what that's what Queer Eye is mm. like addressing, right? Like the first few seasons, it's a lot of male, like very straight males in like middle of America. Mm. And even this episode with Makoto is a male. And... Um, and I guess that's why people talk about that, right? About that it's always about female bodies because it's about before they had to like subscribe to certain body shapes and change their bodies with the corset and the crinoline, etc. And then after that, you internalize the corset and it's about fitness and this and having the perfect body even. Yeah. But I think men do it too. I mean, you know, and in the end, to me, it's not a gender thing, but like... If you're comfortable with it, okay, so I'm in the camp where I'm like, do it if you want to do it. If you're happy with it, do it. And there's no shame in it if, you know, this is what makes you happy and you don't go overboard. Because sometimes people do go overboard and they look really awful. I mean, um, we've 
we have of course really extreme examples like people who want to look like Barbie doll or Ken doll there are some really famous individuals who do that right and there's of course that cat lady that's always making her rounds on the internet and you know her face has been sort of contorted um, beyond belief yeah yeah I feel like the idea of happiness can sometimes I mean sometimes we feel happy and sometimes we're just gonna feel sad and that's okay but I guess it's this idea of being comfortable and I feel like people should do things because they want to and not because they want to conform Mm. but sometimes it's very hard to really face who you are and it's easier to just like try and be like everybody else no I mean that's the gist of all Great teen flicks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, speaking about teen flicks, we were also talking about how there's always this makeover element as well to the best teen flicks. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the the first time that we would have encountered this idea of, like, extreme transformation would be in in our childhood when we watched Disney flicks like um, Cinderella and where suddenly this, like, poor sister... One day she fits this glass slipper and then suddenly she marries the perfect man and her yeah. life is amazing. And you need the fairy godmother, of course. Yes. Yeah. And which is the Fat Five, right? Right, in Queer Eye. <laughs> that's and right. It was very interesting because I saw, I, I was trying to dig deeper to see what is the earliest times when humans started having this, this kind of stories. I'm sure there's like tons of stories all over the world. But one that I found was the, the story of Rhodopis. It's a Greek legend from like the seventh, seven, um, sorry, the first century, and it's this uh, uh, this legend about a slave Greek girl who marries a king in of Egypt, and then so suddenly she's a queen, and in these earlier societies where social hierarchies are much clearer, this idea of like being saved from your strata, I guess it's very powerful. Whereas in like the nineties, the teen flicks that we see, it's a lot about this transformation where the the protagonist chooses to like take on this new persona or from geek to cool kid, mm. and then in the end finds out that her geek friends are her real friends, so she goes back to her real friends. Yeah, like know? mean Mean Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, like in Mean Girls, and so it it's. Whereas before it would have been something like Pretty Woman, who somebody who gets transformed by this rich men, then we move on to Tin Flicks where it's a little bit more uh, nuanced and it's a little bit more of like something that they choose and they, they choose to put on or they choose not to put on. Right. So it's almost as if before it might be more of an imposition of an identity whereas um, in Mean Girls or I, I can't remember other flicks but um, if we just talk about that one, what happens is the protagonist decides like, well, she wants to be like the cool, mean girls, right? And she dresses like them, she talks like them, um, she does her hair like them, and then she kind of like pushes aside her geeky friends, her sidekicks, right? And it's like a journey of self-discovery, and in the end, something changes, and then she's like, no, that's not the real me, well, that's... You know, what I was before was exactly where I should be. But you know what happens is, even when that happens, in the end, they look like better versions of themselves. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Because it's like, well, I'm not going to shed all of this um, experimental me. I'm going to kind of take the best parts with me, but I'm going to be true to myself. And that's exactly what happens in the 2006 film Devil West Prada, which I just Mm. rewatched with 
because it's on Netflix. Yeah. And this idea that before she's like this serious journalist student who wears this like frumpy sweaters, wears glasses and has like frizzy hair. Yeah. But basically the by the end of it she's just like a more uh polished version of herself. But That's the right. internal just went through a certain transformation, realizing that hey, I can be multiple identities at once. I don't have to like choose to be just the frumpy nerdy girl. Yeah. So in that sense, I think all transformations can be quite or are quite extreme. And then you kind of go aspirational and be like, okay, I'm just going to try something that's completely not me. And then I'm going to be rejecting this and like, okay, now I'm going to kind of just keep some parts of it. Yeah. But then still be the old me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think we just cracked a formula. Yeah, for let's like... make a film. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favourite scenes that's not such a um, direct kind of makeover scene is um, in Sex and the City the episode called The Real Me, um, where Carrie Bradshaw decides that, well, she's going to model. I mean, someone approaches her about how like it's about New York people who would model. Okay. And then she says yes, and she wears this bejeweled pair of underwear with, like, I mean, a trench coat and, like, a nice bra. And she walks down the runway, but she falls, you know, like Naomi Campbell did with the Vivian Westwood. Yeah. <laughs> Are we sure? And then it's, of course, very embarrassing, especially since she's wearing very little, right? And so she she gets up, and then, you know, this song is playing in the background, right? I had a choice. I could slink off the runway and let my inner model die of shame, or I could pick myself up, flaws and all, and finish. just what I did. Because when real people fall down in life, they get right back up and keep on walking. And it's just such a powerful scene to me because it felt like when she got up and she walked and she kind of faced her fears, um, it was just so powerful because she tried on this new thing on the runway very publicly. And of course, it's not a real makeover, but it's like she's trying on a new role in new clothes. And she learned an important lesson about how, like, well, I have to face my fears, you know. And she inspired her three friends, right? Uh, Samantha, Miranda and Charlotte to also face their personal fears. So I thought that was really nice as like a subtle makeover scene um, and the transformative power of just, you know, an item of clothing. And of course, as we're talking about this, we know that it's not that these items of clothing have magical powers in themselves. But or it's maybe how... They do. Oh, maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> they are magic wands um, in different forms. But it's about how we invest meanings in the things that we wear. And, you know, they, they do sort of give us superpowers, even if just for the moment we're wearing them. And sometimes their powers linger, right? So we yeah. kind of feel different in something. And then we're like, oh, okay, you know, like actually that situation wasn't so bad. Or like, you know, I feel more confident now. And that carries over into life as we live it. Yeah. yeah. And this reminds me a little, I mean, totally 
not going down that route, but uh, feminist scholar Judith Butler, Butler talks about how gender is performed. Mm. And so to perform, you need your to- your, uh, your appendages, right? You need your costume. Your props. You need, yeah, you need your yeah. props. And so fashion and dress can become those kind of props that we utilize to kind of perform a new identity and to transform. And then we decide whether these are things that we want to carry on. Yeah, and it's very much like a fake it till you make it kind of situation. Mm. I mean, we tell our students that quite a bit. Um, you know, that, I mean, confidence is not something that one is born with, or at least not many people are born <laughs> with this natural sort of like, yeah, you know, I can do anything I want. But, you know, the more you put yourself out there, the more you're like, okay, you know, I can do this, then it happens. And I'm reminded of this story one of my friends told me. Um, so she's a lawyer and she says that every time she goes into court, she has this look. Um, so she will always wear a white shirt and black pants, like, without fail. Um, and she says it's because, like, she cannot dream of going to court with a skirt because it just doesn't feel powerful. Mm-hmm. So she needs to wear those pants and it has to be, you know, just the way that she's comfortable in. Yeah. Um, and I think that brings to mind, you know, how some people have, like, lucky items that they yes. wear for, like, important occasions or, like, you know, for exams or for, like... Um, a presentation, you yes. know, something that makes them feel secure, like a security blanket. Yeah. So like a grown-up version of, you know, a childhood security blanket, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Have you had those items before? I don't know. I do feel like sometimes when I need to feel comfortable that day, I really just reach for clothes that I know have served me well. So I wouldn't wear something new. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's kind of like that. Uh, do you have one? Not that I can think of either. Yeah. Like an amulet or like a rabbit's no. foot. You know, a rabbit's foot is something lucky, right? It yeah. always sounds gross to me, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, not necessarily. But I know that uh, I've gone for a few, let's say, job interviews, and every time I've bought something new, mm. I just felt very weird and coincidentally never got that role. <laughs> yeah, sometimes when you put on something that... I mean, conversely, you know, like a reverse makeover. Sometimes when you put on something and you try it on for size, but then you're like, oh, it doesn't really feel like me. I feel really uncomfortable in my own skin. But actually, it's not your own skin. It's like in the yeah. clothing. And you just feel like, gosh, it just doesn't feel right. And yeah. I'm never going to wear this again. So that's also quite interesting. Yeah. I went for an interview at the Jimmy Choo archive. Hey, no, sorry, not Jimmy Choo. Oh, how could I say that? <laughs> Um, is another shoe brand? Manolo Blanik Archives. How dare you compare I, the two? How no. dare? How dare? I, no, it's fine. You know what? Carrie Bradshaw wears both. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was so stressed about what shoes I was going to wear. Mm. I mean, obviously, I, will, I don't have a pair of Manolo Blanics. Yeah. I didn't have one at that point either. Mm. And it was just like, I went to buy a pair of shoes and it was just... Very weird. I've never worn those shoes since. Also, I didn't get that rule, so... Okay. <laughs> okay. Shall we never speak up? <laughs> yeah, but it's about, I guess, being comfortable, right? But sometimes we feel like, you know, when we do something new, or we go for, like, a wedding or a special occasion, we want to wear something nice, something that I've never worn before. But I find, like, I have discarded that notion because I really feel um, 
I look my best when I'm most comfortable, and I'm most comfortable when I've worn some. I'm wearing something that I feel is reserved for special occasion, but something that I always wear for special occasions rather than something completely brand new. Because you never know, like it might be itchy some places, it might be too constrictive other places, it might not absorb sweat, which is very important um you know and all these little tiny details or like it might pinch your feet right people are always talking about how like oh you know you you're wearing wear in your shoes yeah so. you're wearing heels to an event and it just feels really uncomfortable yeah yeah well i mean what other what other instances of makeovers have you had in your life daniela well the most um clear one i remember now that was like a point in time was just when I was like 16 Mm. and when you graduate from secondary school I was from a girls secondary school me too Mm -hmm. and then we have the prom which is not like an American prom where you have like boys like asking you to be their (laughs) date no Um, but I still went to like because the all the people around me were like going for all these packages like hair makeup blah 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 and I couldn't necessarily do all those things, but I did go and do my eyebrows. Okay. And then I fainted for like a few <laughs> seconds. Why? I'm not kidding. Like I was like I was just sitting there, and I think I was just not breathing, because the it was the right. first time I had my did you eyebrows go for done. Threading or whatever. No, it was just like they were just, just plucking my eyebrows, okay. and then I just I think I was holding on in my breath, and my sister was with me, and then when I was about to go pay. I just like fell backwards. No way. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I know, it's very funny. It's a story. Um, (laughs) And then the other thing I did was because in secondary school you have to wear a uniform and you can't dye your hair. So, what I did, me and my three friends, we like bleached our hair and then we put like a pink color dye. Okay. And then I wore this like strapless dress. And it felt very weird. And, like, when I look at pictures of it now, I'm just like, oh, teenage, teenagehood is just such an awkward time. It is an awkward time. It's like, um, you just don't fit anything, you know? No. And you experiment, but you don't really know how to experiment <laughs> also. And you kind of, like, look at your friends. But, of course, you realise later on that you are not like your friends. And yeah. that was not the way to do it. And they didn't know what they are doing either. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think there were a lot of mishaps that happened around prom. So I went to a girls' school as well. And I remember now... Um, that there were so many accidents that happened with everyone. So one of my friends shaved off her eyebrows. <laughs> because... That's such a cool look now. Yeah, but I mean, it was, of course, very distressing when it happened, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I think everyone was trying their best to groom themselves, but, but we didn't really know how to go about it because we didn't really have grooming lessons or anything like Actually, that. Actually, I had a grooming session once in secondary school, <laughs> but it was very boring. Like, they right. they had this, like, autumn, winter, summer, spring colours. And what in Singapore, what? Yeah, and what your skin colour well, is. Are, there are no seasons in Singapore. If you're wondering why, I'm like, huh, what? <laughs> and then they will, like, match your skin to, like, right. a certain colour palette that you should wear and mm. what kind of things you should wear. So it's from, like, a makeup brand, maybe? No, I think it was, like, a, just... There's a lot of these, like, personal coaches that right. try and coach people on, mm. like, appearances. But it was... I mean, we were 16 years old. This was not a life that's a business we idea for into. us. We should go and, like, help young girls. You yeah. know, looking back at our own mishaps <laughs> in our life. Yeah, but depend, it, where, it depends where you are going. Like, if I was going to junior college, no, not even. Like, if I was going for a job interview, maybe. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think I it's too know. early. Yeah. I remember for my prom, I wore a dress that my aunt passed to me. It was That's a DK very and a meaningful. My dress. 
it was skin tight. Wow. <laughs> I know. It was like long sleeve. I mean, it sounds really risky, but it wasn't. So it was like a black dress, like a very conservative scoop neck that just reveals the collarbone. And then like long sleeve. It was like a scuba material, like neoprene or something. Neoprene. And like knee length. And I just felt so grown up in it, you know, but also like modest, which was quite nice. And then I wore two high heels because, you know, you want to be grown up in some way, right? And then you try to do your mm. hair nicely and try to do your makeup, have nice jewellery. But of course, you can't really afford anything really nice. Yeah. And, you know, your notion of what's nice is also like really 16-year-old yeah. and from like the magazines. Because of course, yeah. we didn't have the internet back then as well, which yeah. is crazy to think about. It's like very when we were crazy. teenagers, there was no such thing as the internet. My goodness. I mean... There was a little bit, but it wasn't in every household, and you still had like Dalak modem at that time. That's true. Oh my gosh, no, that was no, actually not. Oh, I think we used Netscape Navigator. Do you remember this? I went to the library to like use Live Journal. at that time. That's true. And um, also, when I look at pictures of my prom, yeah, nobody looks like themselves. Everybody looks so awkward and like with this like blue eye shadow. Oh my goodness! I think it was pink. And I can't remember my heels. Oh no, I remember them. They were like a black pointy pumps yeah and actually the dress i got was also from my aunt like my mom had gone to canada and my aunt and her had picked a first outfit for me which i didn't want to wear and then they picked another outfit all right which was this like black strapless a-line dress that's so interesting that we didn't pick it ourselves as well yeah that's true yeah so we let other people choose for us well what about when you've had makeovers or when you've tried to transform your style Mm. I think this just happened gradually. Mm. It wasn't something like suddenly... Oh, well, one very big transformation that happened to me was when I went to get my hair into dreadlocks when I was like 18. Okay. I went to Bangkok <laughs> and then I got it dreadlocked. I mean, right now in 2019... What does that entail? Um, They use a crochet needle and then yeah. they just kind of like mess up your hair a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then... Danny's trying to show me now with her yeah. fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, it really transformed my look because it added so much weight to my head. Okay. And then, like, my silhouette it was just like... It's like a voluminous yeah, sort of thing. It was, okay. And I really liked it, and I thought that anything I wore with that just looked interesting. Okay. And How do you clean it? Oh, you just, like, shower like that, but... Ah, okay. Yeah. It's a bit hard to dry in this weather. And oh, I see. Yeah. Um, I had it for two years. No way. Yeah, and I was working in a fashion magazine with that. I I was a stylist assistant at L'Officielle. But I always also felt like um, that was associated with a certain look. So once I graduated from my BA, my bachelor's in LaSalle, I kind of took it all out. And then I had this amazing long hair. And then I started dressing differently, like very girly. No, more... Less quirky and more, like, sexy. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Bring sexy back, like, the queer episode. I think for me, one of the biggest things I remember is putting on red lipstick for the first time. Oh, so yes, I, you mentioned Yeah, so I used to teach in a secondary school um, before this fabulous life I have here at La Salle. And I remember the first time I did that, my students were like, Ew! what's that that you have on your lips and it's so weird and it's so gross and then I felt like oh no you know like maybe I shouldn't do this why am I doing this I don't feel comfortable but then I felt like I really wanted to try it and I know that people do look good in it but every time I looked at myself in the mirror I I felt like oh my god who's that and what's that on my lips you know did something happen um 
So it took me a while to feel comfortable with it. And the next time I think that I really tried to adopt it was when I was um, studying for my MA in London. Mm -hmm. And there, I mean, people didn't really know who I was. And I could just experiment and do whatever I liked. And because people are meeting you most of the time for the first time, so you can just put this on as if it's the most natural thing in the world. And then they just think of you as, oh yeah, you're the girl with the lipstick. It's fine. And so that's where I finally got comfortable with it. And I really liked it. Because I felt like, you know, it was like a new life. And that represented (laughs) a new life where nobody was dissing my cosmetics option. And I could just be who I wanted to be (laughs) on my lips. And now it's become something that I'm comfortable with. And um, I put it on for more formal occasions. Um... You know, when we're hosting special talks in school and things like that, or if I have to go for an event, that's what I put on because I feel like it kind of puts everything together. Just like you said, your dreadlocks kind of like fit everything you you wore in that period of time. Yeah, but I also remember um, actually when I was teaching part-time in primary and secondary schools and you have a very strict dress code for that. Like you can't wear anything revealing. Um, You have... And, and then I was, like, starting to wear very strange clothes at that point in time because I had a job. And this is what happens, right? Like, the depending on the job you get, your style will have to kind of conform to that. So true. Yeah. Yeah. So what is our style now, Danny? What are we wearing today? Well, we're very lucky in LaSalle, so yeah. we... I'm kind, right, kind of creative today, I think. Yeah. Well, you're wearing just like a student today. You are just like a student today, and you would fit right in. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like Danny's wearing a really cool T-shirt called Disneyland Bemusement Park. So yeah. it's like a take on Disneyland. It's like yeah. the opening credits of a Disney movie. Yeah. It was a it was a Banksy project in the UK where he took over this old amusement park mm. and called it Disneyland. Yeah. Very intertextual. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're wearing lilac pants. Yeah. And uh, Melissa plastic shoes with, with socks. socks. Very German. Very German. And I'm wearing, what am I wearing? Your well, favourite Ruccino shoes. My favourite Ruccino shoes, of course. An old pair because I need to be comfortable today. Lots of walking later. Um, so in the gold. And I'm wearing um, another favourite shirt dress by Ash by Esther, who is a student, of, who was a student of mine. In Interestingly, she's on her way to Busan now to present at a fashion show. Oh, wow. And I also have on, um, what is this? Uh, a brooch by an Indonesian artist called Aditya Novali. Cute. And it's like this series of brooches he did um, after um, art, like famous artist works. Oh, okay. Yes. So this is a Damien Hirst skull. Yeah, and there are like pearls on it and it's like a skull shape with like an extra porcelain skull on it. But the thing is I'm wearing this brooch also because I need to cover a stain from my red lipstick actually that you know got onto my, my white shirt dress. So yeah, I think we have definitely evolved in our styles. Um, I remember when we first met each other, we were definitely not dressed like this. And it's been, you know, like whatever we wear is kind of a reflection of where we are and yeah. what we're doing. Um, and it's a fun thing, right? Yeah. Ultimately, that's what I think we're trying to say, that it's something fun, that is something to experiment with, that it has transformative powers, um, that of course it's not the be-all, end-all um, of what we do in life. But, you know, it's like a gateway to like probably you know, understanding ourselves and maybe experimenting with what we could be or what we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's e- it's easier to to make a 
change cosmetically that allows you to be able to say yes to other things later also. Yeah. But I mean, of course, um, there have been some critics about Queer Eye and the idea of like, making self-care something super consumerist Mm -hmm. so there are other ways that we can do these things and doesn't always have to be by buying something new true yeah Yeah. just taking some time to yourself and and to see who you want to be Mm. okay we hope that was inspiring to some degree um, and thank you so much for listening to us. And if you like what you listen to on In The Vitrine's podcast, please subscribe on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And do follow us on Instagram where we put up images of things that we talk about in our episodes. And we would love to hear from you. If you want to ask us anything or give a comment about our episodes, please send us a DM on Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.